Thank you, Tim. Good evening. Happy New Year. Nice to see you all. Um, I just want to add my welcome to Tim's. If you don't know me, I'm Lucy. I'm the Associate Minister here. And I'm going to be speaking this evening on Epiphany. It is the, the Feast of Epiphany, which is what the church celebrates 12 days after Christmas is tomorrow. But we're going to be thinking about it a little bit today. And the word Epiphany means revealing. It means revealing who Jesus is. And normally we talk about the wise men. Um, at Epiphany. I'm not going to talk about that tonight, um, and I will explain why in just a second. But just to get us started, I've got a little little video uh, for us to watch. This was an advert on TV a couple of years ago. You might remember it. Let's uh, let's play this video. Hands up. Let's be honest. Who's who's that happened to? Anyone here? <laughs> no. Lucky there was no, there wasn't anyone this morning. You might not have that might not have happened to you um, with in that way, but I'm sure some of us here have uh, tried to get into the wrong car before, tapped the wrong person on the shoulder. Yeah, have we done these kinds of things? It's a bit awkward, especially when you realise that the 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 one that you were looking for is next to it, and you kind of try and style it out and pretend like you didn't make a really embarrassing mistake. Yeah, we all have those, I should have gone to Specsavers moments, or other opticians, boots, wherever you like to go. And we're thinking this evening, the reason I showed that is we're thinking about um, who Jesus is, and the revealing of who Jesus is, and how people came to recognise him. Not making those kinds of mistakes, how they came to recognise him, and therefore um, make decisions off the back of that. And I want us to focus on a passage in um, John's Gospel to, to think about that a little bit. And this is from the end of the first chapter of John's Gospel. So if you've got a Bible with you, it's John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 29 onwards. And we're going to look especially at the example of John the Baptist and see what he has to um, teach us, what his example uh, for us is when it comes to this business of recognising the truth of who Jesus is. So if we can have it on the screen, this is from John. John 1, starting at 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. 
And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Now, the reason I wanted to focus on that passage is John the Baptist makes, does not make the mistake of the woman in that video. He recognizes who Jesus is. He gets it right first time, and he points other people to who Jesus is, and as a result, they follow him. And as a result of that, their lives are totally transformed, aren't they? And, we, and, and those of us who know these stories in the Bible will know the ways in which the disciples had lives that were radically altered by the fact that they chose to follow Jesus. And that's something for us too. We've been talking about this for quite a while now, that we want to be people who shine brightly as followers of Jesus. We want to make a difference. We want to see the world transformed because of Jesus at work in us, through what we say, through what we do. And we want other people to come to know that. That is why we, are keep, we keep going on about Alpha and there are flyers on your chairs just to remind you again, who are you inviting to Alpha? Who are you inviting? to join you on this journey of coming to recognize, to follow, and to be transformed by Jesus. But if we are not on that journey ourselves, we cannot expect other people to go on it, can we? we it has to start with us. How do we have the right to tell other people, oh, you should find out about Jesus? How about reading the Bible? If we don't read the Bible, if we don't follow Jesus, we have to be prepared to go first to the place that we want other people to go to. And so I want us this to, to think this evening about how we are all on a journey of coming to recognize, to follow, and to be transformed by him. And I'm going to take those three themes um, this evening and think about what does that mean for us, and therefore what does it mean for other people. So first of all, we need to recognize Jesus. And I don't know how long you have been a Christian, those of us here tonight, whether we have been a Christian for decades, for years, for months. Maybe we're not actually sure whether we would call ourselves Christians just yet. We're kind of on the edge. And we also all come to faith, those of us who have, for different reasons. Maybe we grew up in a Christian household and our parents brought us up in the faith. Maybe we read the Bible and we were convinced. Maybe like that story that um, Imi shared with us, actually it was singing some songs and realizing that there was truth in them that brought us to faith. Maybe it was studying the philosophical claims of Christianity Maybe he was experiencing God's healing power. I don't know what it was for you. But research says that over 70% of people who come to faith do so because in part it's had something to do with someone else who has brought them. Someone has brought them to church. Someone has said, hey, why don't you come and explore the Christian faith? I'm a Christian, I'd love to share that with you. Someone else has invited them into a relationship with Jesus. And so if we want other people to come to know Jesus, if we want people to go on that journey of being transformed by him, we have to take action. We have to get involved. Because if we don't, we cannot expect 
anyone to come to faith. The statistics just show that for us. So actually, there's a challenge there. Who are we praying for? Who are we inviting into this relationship? Because we need to take action. We can't expect nice signs, nice services to do that for us. We need to get involved. And you know, as followers of Jesus, as people who have come to um, to, we come to faith, like I say, in lots of different ways from different backgrounds. We have something in common with Christians throughout the world, throughout the centuries. And this is something that we have in common that goes beyond intellectual differences, academic success, wealth, social class, ethnicity, um, just any of those factors and that we have in common with one another the fact that we have come to recognize that Jesus is who he says he is. And we've just talked about that at Christmas and we spent ages singing carols, don't we? Um, our carol services were amazing. But some of those lyrics of those carols stay with me and I hope they stay with you too. And some of those Bible readings we hear at Christmas, they're not just for Christmas, people. The fact is that Jesus is the wonderful counsellor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And he is that today and for 2020 and not just on Christmas Day or whenever it was you came to a carol service. That is the same Jesus who is alive, who we have come to recognise. He is the one who gave his life for us, who died and rose again. That is the Jesus that we come to recognise. And that is really important that we start from that point. Now, for John the Baptist, recognizing Jesus was really straightforward. He saw him literally walk down the street in front of him. He saw heaven opened, heard the voice of God saying, this is my son. He knew who Jesus was because it was made really, really obvious to him. Now, for us today, it's not just the case that Jesus is a person that we read about in our Bibles. Jesus is still here. He is still alive. He is still active. He is still at work. And we need to have eyes that are open to recognizing Jesus today as well. And maybe that is through another person where you see something of God's life, love, goodness, mercy, grace, healing, Maybe it is through people whom you see building God's kingdom in these amazing, brave, courageous ways, and they are stepping out in faith. I know that for me, one of the ways that I've come to recognize Jesus is in the fact that sometimes he is at work in ways that I don't like, I don't appreciate, and I don't necessarily understand. I used to be part of a church in Bristol, and one of the members of the congregation was this woman called Tiffany. And Tiffany um, was an incredibly difficult person. She was hard work. She had significant mental health problems. She sometimes caused a big fuss. She expected people to do loads of stuff for her and kind of serve her. And she was just, she was quite annoying, frankly. And I didn't like her. I'm being honest. I, I didn't like her. And I tried to stay away from her. But Tiffany did something that I did not do. And that is that she told every single person she met her in her entire life, believe it or not, that Jesus loves them. And it was done in a kind of a, for me it was quite a cringy, cheesy way, but for her it was done with complete integrity. She told them that Jesus loved them and she invited people to church to find out more. And half the church was there because of Tiffany. 
No one was there because of me, genuinely. No one was there because of me, and half the church was there because of her. And I found her difficult and annoying, and other people did too. I wasn't the only one. But you know, wasn't Jesus at work in her, and I pray that he still is. Jesus is at work in ways that we don't like, we don't understand, but we need to have our eyes open and recognize that sometimes that's what he wants to do, and that's okay. That's not our business, actually. That's not our, ours to decide. And I pray that I would still have my eyes open to that kind of thing, because it's difficult, it's hard, but Jesus is alive, he is here, and we need to have eyes open to recognize him in the world. So that's our first thing, recognize. Second, following. So in the reading, we, um, we have this point where uh, John the Baptist, he recognizes Jesus, he straight away he points other people to him, and they follow him. I have no idea why these disciples decided to follow Jesus. John says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's a slightly strange, quite religious thing to say. These disciples, they just go for it. They get up, they go. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe we've got lots of theories, conjectures. I'm not sure why. They did not know where they were going to end up, did they? Would they have gone if they did? I don't know. They did not know what was going to happen to them. They didn't know how their lives were going to be transformed, but they did choose to follow. And following Jesus is something for us today as well. Once we've recognized him, once we have put our confidence in who he is, we need to choose to follow him too. And you know, that isn't easy because we have to let go of control. And if you're like me, you might have heard sermons on this whole theme many, many times before. But actually, it's the beginning of a new year. And I just want us to remember that actually we have to, if we are followers of Jesus, decide to put him in charge of our lives and not ourselves. And that's hard. That is a challenge. Some people think that becoming a Christian solves all of your problems, makes your life easy, sorts everything out. Everything's jolly good from now on. But actually, there's an element to which that coming to follow Jesus messes your life up completely. It changes everything. It involves sacrifice. It involves challenge. And it involves making and committing to some really tough tough decisions and we may have lots of experience of that in the room this evening I have limited experience but what I do know is um, from my own life I was living in Bristol for a long time I went to university there loved Bristol it's a great place to be um, and I'd settled into a community um, where I was uh, living with my friends, but we were serving the church and we were doing amazing outreach and with really vulnerable people for a long time, and, and it was really good, and I felt, yes, God is calling me here, and this is where I need to be. And then um, I felt called also to get ordained. Now, the Church of England have ordination colleges um, in a number of places around the country, and there is one in Bristol. Brilliant. I could stay in Bristol. I could train for ordination there. And then some people who are quite high up in the church said, no, we think God is calling you to uproot, to leave, to go somewhere else. They didn't actually really mind where. They just said it had to be somewhere else, which felt more brutal to me, to be honest. Um, and I was like, no, 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 I know God's plan. I've got this sorted. I'm going to stay in Bristol. It's going to be brilliant. I don't really need to change or sacrifice very much. It's going to fit quite nicely into my life. 
But at the same time, the call for me to ordination was a whole life thing. So I was grappling with these two things. And what I've come to learn is when you have yourself on one side and God and the Church of England on the other, only one is going to win. And I left Bristol. I was devastated about it. And I I moved 200 miles away and I trained in a completely different place. I didn't know anyone For some of us, that might not sound scary, but for me, it was horrific. And I had no idea what I was going to do and and if I was going to be okay. And hindsight's a wonderful thing. I'm here today, and clearly I can say, oh, yes, God was at work in that. But at the time, I did not feel that. And I had to let go of control. I had to let go of my sense of what I wanted for my life and say, God, have your way. And I can speak now about the amazing friends I made and what I learned and everything like that. But it was hard. And you know, when we come to follow Jesus, we sometimes are going to be asked to make some hard decisions. And they may affect our future, those decisions. They may affect our, our family, where we live, what our family is even going to look like. They may, that following Jesus may even affect our finances, And that's a hard thing to talk about, especially in Surrey. It's a hard thing to acknowledge that if we choose to follow Jesus and actually put what he says into practice, we may not be as well off as other people. But if we are saying that he is Lord, he is Lord of our lives, then there is no area that should be not up for grabs, up for him to take and use for his glory. And so maybe that is a challenge for some of us here too. Now, some of us may be sitting here thinking, I am only just on this journey of following Jesus. I'm not so sure. How do I even start? Well, Alpha is a great place to start. And also committing at the beginning of this new year, maybe to reading um, the stories that Jesus told about how we should be living. Jesus does give us quite a lot to go on there. Maybe committing to praying in a new way, creating a new habit so that we can be people who are more informed by who he is and less by the world around us or by ourselves. Maybe we're sitting here this evening and thinking, I used to follow Jesus But, you know, stuff gets in the way. Life is busy. People are demanding. I want to fit in. I just want to go with the flow. And we know within our hearts that actually we've taken steps back in another direction. And we need to recommit. We need to turn around at the beginning of the new year and say, do you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus this year. That's going to be my focus. That's going to be my goal. And maybe that's for some of us here this evening. I don't know where you're at. But we all are being called on this journey of following him. And the great news is that when we choose to follow him, this is my final point, when we choose to follow him, we are transformed. That is the promise for us in the scripture. So we have the experience of the disciples to give us evidence for this being so true. These disciples, they were told, look who is Jesus, they follow him. And one of them in particular, we hear about Simon. He is this kind of larger-than-life character. He's a bit gung-ho. He's a bit um, stupid. He's a little bit... I I imagine him to be quite kind of rambunctious kind of of guy. He, He gets it wrong a lot. He is a coward. He denies Jesus. He runs away. He's a mess, basically. And do you know what? 
God transforms him because by the end of his life, by the end of his story, he is Peter. That's the name Jesus gives him in this passage. He is Peter. He is a rock. He is the rock who is the founder of the church, who gives his life for his faith and for his Lord and for Jesus. That is a big transformation journey. That is the work of the Holy Spirit within him. That is what God has for each one of us because he is still alive, he is here, he is active by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, my story is that I can talk about the transformation that I've seen in my life. I can talk about the fact that through those experiences that I've had where I've had to sacrifice and I've had to choose following his way rather than my way, actually I have seen God broaden my perspective more than I could imagine possible. I have seen God um, give me confidence that I didn't know I could ever possibly have, going from someone who would never dream of standing up in front of people and speaking to what I do today. Like That is not the kind of person I told myself I was for a very long time. But God is in the business of transforming And it might be in big ways, but it might also be in small ways, small ways that run deep, small ways that actually go to the heart of who we are, our character. Someone I know who grew up in a very, very dysfunctional family. They were in and out of foster care. Their mum was abusive, their dad was absent. That person has, I've seen in their life, grow into someone who is one of the most loving, patient, kind and generous people I know. And you know what? That is not because of the world around us, because the world around us does not give those, us, us those kinds of opportunities. That is because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in that person's life. And I, will, I thoroughly believe that. That is what God is in the business of doing. He wants to bring transformation. So maybe for some of us, we're sitting here this evening and we have been walking around with labels on our heads, metaphorical ones. We have been calling ourselves and believing that we are people who are unlovable. We are insignificant. We're unpopular. We're unable to do this, that and the other. God wants to bring us transformation. God wants to change us by his Holy Spirit into what he has for us, to take away those negative labels. The Holy Spirit is what Jesus baptizes us with. And there may be things that today we know we would love to see transformed about ourselves. We would love to see God break in and change us into the likeness of Jesus. That's what God is in the business of doing. That is the journey that we are all on and we would love other people to join us on, but it needs to start with us. So I'm going to finish now. I think the band are going to come up in just a second and we're going to, um, we're just going to have a time of quiet, actually. And I would love you in your heart just to ask God to come and speak to you by his spirit, to come and maybe challenge you to move within you, to speak to you afresh at the beginning of this year, what does it look like for you in 2020 to be a follower of him? How might you do things differently? What is he asking of you? So let's just have a moment of quiet to do business with God.